In this podcast, Pamela Barty, a Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and developer of a $100 million real estate empire, will share her inspiring underdog comeback story. And along with those of her guests, she'll share how you too, as an underdog, can rise up and succeed against all odds. Here's your host, Pamela Barty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Underdog. Today, I have an amazing guest here with me. Simon Ree. Simon, how are you? I'm really well, Pamela. Lovely to be here. You have quite an interesting journey. So what has inspired you to get you where you are today? I started off my life in the, the finance industry, which is where I've been for my whole career, you know, nearly 30 years ago. And I've been working for major global investment banks for really all of my corporate career. I got to see some of the, you know, the ugliest sides of that industry during my time there. And I got to a point in my life where I was feeling unfulfilled. And, you know, when, when you're kind of spending every day doing a job that you don't really believe in and, you, you know, you're not sure what your real purpose in life is anymore, it, it can lead to a fairly unfulfilling existence. And, and you get to that sort of stage in life, paychecks are kind of immaterial. It doesn't even really matter. I moved back to Perth in 2016 for, for family reasons. And I got offered a job with a, you know, an investment bank in, in Australia. And I had been living in Singapore previously to that. My, my wife is Singaporean. Anyway, I was living in Perth. They wanted me and my family to move to Sydney, you know, six months after I joined. And I said, look, thanks, but no thanks. Doesn't work for us. Need to be in Perth. And we, we you know, we, we parted company on, on amicable terms. And then I thought, you know what, I'm not going to get another job. I've got a skill set here. It's time for me to share the skill set that I've developed over a, a really good 25-year corporate career with people who could really benefit from it. I realized that the people that I've been helping really throughout my career were, were people who frankly didn't need the help. There were people that by any normal person's wildest imagination were already incredibly wealthy. And I was really just helping them stay wealthy or get even wealthier. But I thought, you know, I've got, got a, built a really good skill set here. And, and what I want to do is help ordinary folk, middle-class people really kind of get up the first couple of rungs of that ladder to wealth creation and, and show them that it's possible. I mean, I'm, I'm a big believer in abundance and the law of attraction and all of those things, but it's a very, very ambiguous topic for most people. And teach somebody how to trade and it, it becomes very concrete. And you, you can start to see, wow, you know, this is how I can create abundance. And, and so that's what I'm doing now and enjoying great success. I love that. So let's unpack your story a little bit. So what inspired you into the finance world in general? I think I've just been attracted to it since I was a teenager. I mean, I, I used to love looking at the, the stock price tables at the back of the, the newspaper you know, for, for listeners of yours who are old enough to, to remember those days. My second last year at high school was when the, the 87 stock market crash hit, and the, you know, Oliver Stone's movie, Wall Street. And I, I just found it all quite sort of intoxicating and stimulating and, and just, just felt kind of drawn to it. And one thing I, I love about markets is it's just this never-ending chess puzzle. You know, it's just this puzzle that you, you never quite solve. And, and every now and then you think you've got it solved. And, and every time you do, you're in for another learning experience. You had a great podcast with Dr. Ruth Gautian a, a little while back. Yes, I did. And, uh, you know, she, she talked about the, uh, you know, the four keys to success. And the, the first one was 
being intrinsically motivated. And I realize I've got this intrinsic motivation when it comes to to markets. I, I, I just love trying to crack that code. That's amazing. So that leads me to the question of what did you want to be when you grew up as a kid? What I really wanted to be was a, a lead guitarist in a rock band. <laughs> and, and, and I almost got there, you know, but it got to the point where I was in my early 30s and I, I just had to make a choice. Do I pursue the, the kind of the, the rock star career or, or do I get serious about the corporate career? And I, of course, I chose the safer option and, and here I am today. But you're a rock star in your world. So technically it translated somehow. That's <laughs> <laughs> very kind. Thank you for saying. <laughs> I love that. And so, you know, in your life, like, was there a particular person that has inspired you tremendously or something that you live by that has sort of guided your journey? I think it's just about what's your contribution? Legacy is probably too strong of a word, but, you know, wanting to have a contribution, I think that you get to a point in life. And for me, it was, I guess, my early 40s where you just want to feel as though you're contributing to the greater good. And, and I didn't feel as though I was doing that. And again, it was just a bit of soul searching involved. But the other thing that I realized I've always loved doing is teaching. I mean, whenever I learn something new, I'm always asking myself, how would I break this down and explain it to somebody else if I was teaching it? And I, this really kind of hit home to me a few years ago. I was learning how to kite surf and I was standing there on the beach and I had the kite and I was putting the board on my feet and getting up and running. And as I was going through the, the learning process with my instructor, I was actually thinking to myself, how would I explain this to somebody else if I was to teach kite surfing? And I've got no business teaching anybody how to kite surf. I'm, I'm terrible. Okay. But, but it was just, it was at that point I realized, my God, I, I do this all the time. In addition to teaching people how to trade, I'm also a, a Jeet Kune Do instructor. Martial arts is something that uh, has been a, a big part of my life for most of my life. And one of the things that I find really gratifying is when you see the penny drop, when you see that light bulb go off for somebody and something that they've been practicing for a while, they suddenly get it. I just find that intensely rewarding. The thing that you pointed out, some things that were really important that you were mentioning to you, it mattered your contribution, which I thought was really key. Cause I always, you know, one of my biggest questions is always like, what was your aha moment from transferring from a job that was secure? Life is good. You have experience in it. You know, you know, your stuff and then into wanting to shift into the entrepreneurial world. Cause that's where a lot of people get stuck, right? They're like, I don't mm -hmm. want to do this. I want to do something more. How did you personally make that transition and what helped guide you through that process to be like, you know what, boom, I'm going to do this. It wasn't that hard for me because I'd been thinking about trading for a living for the last several years. I mean, I got very serious about retooling my own trading methods after the 2008 the global financial crisis. I, I lost a life-changing sum of money during <laughs> during that and, and realized that I, I had to do things differently. And it really kind of hyper-motivated me to figure things out properly, which, which I, I was very motivated to do. I was working at a very highly regarded investment bank at the time. It was at the top of its game and I had awesome people around me to learn from and, and pick their brains. And I, I really kind of, it was just a great opportunity. I had access to a Bloomberg terminal, you know, 24 hours a day, and there'd be a, an hour or two a day where I could back test systems and, you know, play around with things. And so I, I really had a great opportunity to do that. When the opportunity came, well, it was serendipitous. It wasn't so much an opportunity, but it, it was just a case of, well, we're not going to move to Sydney. It doesn't work. Now's the time. Now's the time to pull the pin. It's never an easy decision to make when you've got that stable paycheck that comes in every month. You know, it's a difficult thing to walk away from. I guess I just had a lot of confidence and a lot of belief in my own ability to trade because I've been doing it for myself and for others for many, many years. For that perspective, I thought it was quite easy. And then I thought, well, here's something 
really powerful that I've done. I've sort of given up work. I've started trading. And from day one, that's how I've paid the mortgage and put my three daughters through private school and, and all the rest of it. But what if I can teach other people how to trade and they can use that as a bridge? So, that, you know, maybe you're stuck in a corporate job that's unfulfilling. You've got this side hustle that you'd love to devote all your time to, but you're scared of giving up the paycheck and starting from ground zero. Well, what if you can learn how to trade and, and make a decent amount of money each month from your trading? It may not fully replace your paycheck, but it may just give you enough of an income and enough confidence to launch yourself to the world. Amazing. And, you know, when a lot of people mention trading, I'm always like, what does that mean? You know, like, and so can you give us like 101, if you will, of what is trading, different elements of it, because to the marketplace, it's like when anyone mentions real estate, it's like, oh, you're a realtor, right? So it's like, you know, it's like, oh, I'm a developer. I did it. Like, it'd be cool to hear it from you, you know, like trading 101, if you will. Sure. What you're doing with trading is you're looking for an asset. And, and in my case, I, I trade stock options. So op options on, on US listed companies. And what you're looking for is to buy an asset that you think you'll be able to sell at a higher price at some point in the future. Now, the reason I trade options is because there are several reasons, but some of the key ones is options. You don't actually have to own the underlying stock to make money trading options. I say that options are like the Airbnb of the stock market. Because when you buy an option, when you buy a call option, it's almost like you're renting the stock. So you think about maybe you, you want to go and live in a beach house in Malibu, all right, but it costs, I don't know, $5 million, you, you can't afford it. But what if you were to rent one for two weeks? Maybe all of a sudden that, that's something that isn't such a pipe dream and maybe you could afford to do that. And renting it for two weeks gives you all the benefit of ownership with, with none of the downside. You know, if the property market crashes, you're not, you're not going to wear a big loss. You've got no maintenance or upkeep or anything, but you get all of the benefit of it for, for that two weeks. You can do the same thing by buying call options on Google, you know, or, or Amazon. You know, you, you buy a hundred shares in Amazon, it might cost you $250,000, but you could buy a call option in Amazon and it might only cost you a couple of thousand dollars. So it costs you a fraction of the cost and you get to basically rent Amazon stock for a a small period of time. If Amazon stock doesn't go the way you think, your maximum loss is that small amount of money that you've paid to rent the stock. And if Amazon stock does go the way you hope, you, you can make amazing returns, you know, 50, 100, 200% in a matter of days or weeks. That's fascinating to me. I didn't know there was such thing as an Airbnb of the stock market. Well, that, that's my terminology, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, no, I think it's it's an amazing thing because, you know, when I think about buying stock, that's exactly right. You buy stock. I didn't know that there was even like an opportunity to even rent it, if you will. It's kind of like renting them. Yeah. You can make money on the stocks without ever actually owning them or buying them. You just buy an option on them. So what would be your best tips in terms of trading stock options or would they have to go to your course for that time? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've written a book called the, uh, the, the Tao of Trading, which the reason I wrote that book, there are hundreds, if not thousands of books on trading out there. And there are hundreds on option trading, but most of them just suck the life out of you as you try to read them because they read like textbooks. They're, they're really dull. What I wanted to do with this book was write a book that was engaging and entertaining and, and even a, a little bit fun. And the feedback I've got from the book has led me to believe that or conclude that I have succeeded in that. It's, it's a very readable book. It's, it's about 340 pages. Many, many people have told me they've read it in a day or, or you know, within 24 hours. So it seems to be very, very readable. Uh, and it, it just breaks down technical analysis, trading, what is trading, why should you consider trading, what is an option, how do you trade options, how do you identify trends, 
how do you manage your risk and how do you master your psychology? All of that is, is contained in those 340 pages. Oh my God. And, and what inspired you to really write that book and put it together? It was just as your legacy imprint? I think it's a book that's been in me for a while. I think there's been a gap in the market because I don't think a book like this has ever been written before in, in terms of a, a book about options trading, which is kind of one of those topics that people might think is a bit advanced and scary and complex, but in, in really plain English, accessible, simple, easy to access style. That was the purpose behind it, just to bring it something that is a little bit more sophisticated, but bring it to something that pretty much anybody can do. Can you give us like a teeny bit of a summary of what the synopsis of the, the book is or an outline? Yeah, so I, I call it the Tao of trading, the Tao meaning the way. As I said earlier, I'm, I'm a Jeet Kune Do instructor that the inspiration for the title was the Tao of Jeet Kune Do by, by Bruce Lee. So what I really take you through is, is the journey of what are the big myths of finance that are holding a lot of people back from making great returns. I talk about uh, why trend following is, is the ninth wonder of the world and how to identify trends and how to spot trends. Mm -hmm. And then importantly, how to identify those high probability moments in time to join a trend. All right. That, that's really, really key. Then I explain what options are, how to use them and how to combine the trading methods with selecting the right option to buy. All right. So that's how you, you can get into starting to make money. Then we talk about risk management. Risk management is absolutely key to your success as a, as a trader, because that's what will keep you in the game for, for, for a long term. Unfortunately, most people who get into trading, they learn some fancy indicators and, and how to buy but they don't know how to manage risk. And, and that's why most traders end up unsuccessful. So risk management, really important. And then I talk about, you know, the emotional aspects of trading, how to manage your, your psychology and, and sort of really get your mindset up for trading success. And then uh, at the end, we, we talk about how to write a trading plan, which is a, a contract between you and yourself about what you're going to do. And as somebody who's kind of an outsider to the industry, like what are like, the most common misconceptions of the trading world and what advice would you have for that? The most common misconception about the trading world is that you need to be right and you need to predict the future to make money. And neither of those things are actually true. Being right is something that the ego wants to do. The job of a trader is to be mentally flexible and to be able to admit when you're wrong very quickly. Okay, because part of life as a trader is taking lots and lots of small losses. There are absolutely going to be losing trades, but you need to be able to identify when you're wrong, put your hand up and admit it to yourself very quickly and say, I'm out. It's, and it's just a business expense. And, and a losing trade should cause as much of an emotional reaction inside you as having to buy photocopying paper for your printer. You know, it is just a business expense. But people get very upset because what happens is we go through life and, and from the time we're two years old, we spend our whole life trying not to screw anything up. You know, because you think about it, right? If you screw something up, your, your parents will scold you, your friends will make fun of you, your teachers will yell at you, your boss will demote you or whatever. And so you go through life trying not to screw anything up. But if you take that attitude into trading, causes all sorts of problems because we, we think that a loss is, is, is a screw up or a mistake. And it isn't. It's just that with trading, we're always dealing with probabilities, never certainties. And so we, with, with a probabilistic mindset, what you've got to say is if A happens, B is more likely to happen, but anything can happen. Whereas we kind of grow up with a very deterministic mindset of if A happens, B happens. The trading world doesn't work like that. So it's, uh, it's forgetting about trying to be right all the time, accepting being wrong and, and learning how to manage that risk. 
Interesting. So like, what are like the top three mistakes that you think people like getting into the trading world make in the beginning? The top one is trying to be right all of the time and, and not admitting the losses. The second one is, is just not having proper risk management in place. So there are two types of risk management I talk about in my book. There's position risk management and portfolio risk management. Position risk management is talking about how much of your account you're prepared to risk on any one trade and, and when you're going to pull that pin. Portfolio risk management is talking about uh, what combination of trades you've got on, how much of your portfolio you're going to risk at any one time, and, and where you're going to draw the line and, and sort of pull the pin on everything. And so risk management really and truly is the thing that will kill most people, improper execution of risk management, or just not knowing how to do it. The third mistake is focusing on the money, focusing on the outcome and, and not on the process. Trading is the same as any other undertaking in life. If you focus on the process, focus on the process, the results will come. And trading is no different. And if all you think about is how much money you're going to make, again, you, your eyes sort of off the ball, off the process. Interesting. Interesting. And what would be like your biggest advice to somebody who's getting into trading, aside from your book and, and your in your courses, <laughs> which we'll get into later for sure. Yeah, I mean, well, get a, get a proper education. I mean, that you know that free YouTube video you watched on how to how to pick the right stocks is probably worth exactly what you paid for it. It's, it's very hard to get a proper education. That another analogy I, I, I draw in my book is a lot of people will say it, it's impossible to trade. You can't you can't make money trading. You can't beat the market. And and the only people who say that are either people who've tried and failed or people who've never tried. So, so why would you listen to them? But saying that it's impossible to trade for a living is, is a bit like saying it's impossible to fly a jumbo jet for a living. All right. It's only impossible if you haven't acquired the skill set. But learning to trade might be more difficult than learning to fly a jumbo jet. And I, and I say this with all due respect to pilots. My, my father was a pilot for 30 years. So, uh, you know, I, I know where I'm coming from here. But if you want to learn to fly a jumbo jet, there is kind of one book. There's one source of truth. And, and you, you go to that flight manual and that's how you learn. If you want to learn how to trade, there are thousands of courses out there, thousands of videos, most of them are crap. And, and so trying to pick the right one is a bit of a mission. And then so, you know, I, I wrote my book to give people a, a very, very cost-effective introduction to the world of trading. It's, it's, it costs $9 on Amazon. And, and if they like my book and like my style and, and want more of me, they're more than welcome to find out more about my course. I love that. And I want to dig into your inspiration part sort of a little bit. So it's Jeet Kune Do, correct? Yes. That you said. So tell me, how did you get into that? What inspired you to get into that? So I've been involved in martial arts since I was, you know, about 10 years old. And, you know, I went through judo and karate and ninjutsu. And I, I did some boxing and I did some Muay Thai. But, I, you know, I, I was always a fan of the Bruce Lee movies and, and Bruce Lee and just, you know, the way he moved and, you know, I read his book and I just, just found the guy very impressive in terms of his, his philosophy as, as well as his martial arts. And when I moved to Singapore in 2010, I had the opportunity to train with a, a Jeet Kune Do instructor here. And I really dislike these, my martial art are better than your martial art type conversations. I, I think all martial arts are beautiful. They all have something to offer, but Jeet Kune Do just resonated with me. And, and it was the one that I really kind of found my footing in. It's got some technology that I, I hadn't seen in, in, in any other martial arts. And it, it just seemed to resonate with me. I love that. So what was it that resonated with you in that? Because it just, it sounds really fascinating and I've never heard of it. So I'm like, oh, what, like, you know, what is this? I've never heard about it. Well, I mean, there are some things that Jeet Kune Do does slightly differently. 
one of the key principles is you put your strongest side closest to the target, closest to the opponent. You know, yeah. normally if you're boxing, your jab will be your, your weak arm and it's sort of you're finding the distance and just kind of softening the guy up and, the, and then the cross is like your, your big weapon. Jeet Kune Do, it's reversed. So your jab is your big weapon, you know, your big right if you're right-handed close to your opponent and, and same with your right foot. Jeet Kune Do is all about non-telegraphic movement. And the other, the big, the other big principle is uh, mass accelerated movement. You know, F equals MA, force equals mass times acceleration. So that there's a lot of footwork that's borrowed from fencing, which enables you to close distance to your opponent very, very quickly and put a lot of acceleration behind the force. That's sort of a couple of pieces of technology that I, I just hadn't seen in, in any other martial art, which I thought, wow, this, this stuff's really clever. That's so cool. So how long have you been practicing that? About 10 or 11 years. Is there anyone in particular who inspired you on that route? I mean, Bruce Lee was the original inspiration. And then, uh, you know, my Sifu, Mark Stewart, who trained with Ted Wong, who was Bruce Lee's last private student. And he used to run the LA Chinatown Jeet Kune Do studio. So uh, he's got great, great credentials as well. Incredible. And then I also read about that you're in the Reiki world too. What inspired you on the spiritual realm? I don't really know, actually. It's just <laughs> curiosity, I think. There's a slight overlap between martial arts and, and sort of the, the spiritual arts. But yeah, I've just always been curious about it. That's just real curiosity. There was no kind of defining moment or anything like that. But it's uh, something that I, I've i really enjoyed and, and got some benefit from. And yeah, it, it's sort of a another another part of my life, another dimension that I enjoy. So cool. No, because it's just so diverse, you know. And it's like when you think about somebody in the finance world, like I've never heard of somebody else having these like Jeet Kune Do and then also like you know, being into Reiki. I'm like, this is so cool. It's such a beautiful, beautiful mix, and it's so dynamic. So that's why I, I didn't know if there was a particular thing that led you to to another. And the thing about Reiki is it's all energy transfer, which yeah. I is so beautiful and some people are like oh that's, that's garbage and i'm like you know there's a story that my future mother-in-law she was in the hospital and she was really really sick she told me like very sick and like they didn't doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with her she was in her 40s like very early 40s and she had three kids young kids and which one of them was my fiance and she said that there was a volunteer that came in to her hospital room after they couldn't figure out what was wrong with her for like days. And her fever was like so ridiculous that it was like alarming and doctors couldn't figure it out and everybody's freaking out. And, you know, they're coming up with all sorts of crazy things like, oh, she might, she might pass like crazy stuff. And all of a sudden she said a volunteer came in and she was like, can everyone just exit? And everybody exited. Then she just like laid hands on her had to have been Reiki because there's no way. Mm. And after that, after like an hour, she had no fever, felt totally fine, and just life was back to normal for her. And the Amazing. Doctor, the doctors came in and they were like, she told me this. I just got chills again because I'm like, wow, insane, you know? So that's why it's so fascinating because it's like, it's hard to measure the metrics of it, I guess you could say, because there's really, I mean, I mean, energy has been studied, quantum physics and all these amazing things, but it's just fascinating to me, the whole Reiki world. And I'm like, that's incredible. And she's just a volunteer and she just went in and then that was it. And she said she never saw that that woman ever again after that day, like an angel literally like came down. I don't know I, well, how she said it, but like the fact that she worked her hands right over her, that's all she remembers is her hands were over her body and just 
insane. What's so fascinating now as well is I mean, we, we've had kind of sort of the ancient sort of Eastern energy-based healing modalities. Yeah. You've got sort of the Western pharmacological solutions. But now we're starting to see technology start to catch up with some of the Eastern sort of more traditional methodologies. And I, I think this is going to be a really fascinating space to watch. Interesting. Do you think that's going to translate into any companies with stocks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't looked at it yet, but I'm, I'm sure it will. Yeah. But, well, because, you know, now wellness, you know, like holistic wellness is really up on the rise. So I'm wondering, you know, how that's going to translate into the actual markets being head to head with pharmaceuticals. Have you seen any of that in the market at all? But it, it's all, it's, it's very early stage, very, very early days at this point. So, I mean, I, I mostly trade kind of big mega cap you know, blue chip type stocks. I, I don't really trade small IPOs so much. Uh, I'm really looking for, for stocks that have got established trends because they're, they're much easier to trade. So cool. So cool. No, I just love your dynamic spirit and everything and all that you do, which is so much fun. And throughout your years and throughout your life, I mean, you mentioned your teacher. Was it Mark Stewart? His name was. Yeah. Yeah. So was he a major source of inspiration for you? Who, who has really served as a big inspiration in, in your life? Who or what? I mean, probably the, the biggest source of inspiration for me professionally was a boss I had several years ago. I, when I was working at Goldman, I, I was asked to basically set up and head the markets desk for Australasia, Australia and New Zealand. And my boss at the time, his name was Paul. He basically gave me a blank sheet of paper or paper with a, with a little kind of scribble on it and said, I, I want you to build something that kind of does this, but go away and figure it out. He said, you know, Hong Kong's got one and London's got one and New York's got one and I want Australia to have one. Go and figure it out, sell it to the board and, and let's see where we go. And, and it, just, it just gave me a, a, an opportunity to, I guess, figure out what I was capable of in, in terms of coming up with the idea, selling the idea to the board hiring staff and then implementing and running it. It, it really, you know, I, I kind of played outside of my skin as a result of being given that opportunity. That's amazing. And he just told you just run with it, roll with it and go. Yeah. I mean, he, he was always there if I needed, needed direction. It, it was very much show me what you got, you know, and it was just, it was just very empowering. So that was something that I, I really took on board with people in my team. Just give them the power and, and get them to tell you what they're going to do. You know, instead of telling somebody what to do, get them to tell you what they're going to do. Give them some ownership of it. And the chances of them doing it are much, much higher. I love that. I love that so much. And I mean, for you, so you have such a dynamic and amazing journey. You know, what would your older self tell your younger self as a piece of advice based on what you've been through? Say yes to risk. I think one of the key skills I want to impart on my kids is learn how to identify risks that are worth taking and take them. Manage the risk, but be a risk taker. Not blasé, but learn how to identify risks that are worth taking. Uh, don't, don't be afraid. Mm. Don't, don't live a small life. You go through trials, you go, you go through periods where you think, what the hell have I done? What the hell am I doing? But, you know, with a positive attitude and, you know, gratitude and what have you, things just things tend to work out. They tend to work out in the end. And, you know, the old saying, uh, everything works out in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. Yes. I love that. I love that. Just go for it. Be fearless. That's one of my biggest things. My biggest quotes is this, like regret is far worse than fear. Yeah. Well, I love it. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. It terrifies me to like, think about me like down the line and being like, I wish I did that. That itch you just can never scratch. Yeah. Exactly. So I love what you just mentioned. Oh man, Simon, you're awesome. And 
also too, you know, what are you up to in the world? You mentioned your, your book, you mentioned your courses and all of that. So like, where can those be found? So I'm really busy with my courses. So I, I've got a, an online academy. I, I call it Options Academy, where I teach people through a series of 55, over 55 video modules, the ins and outs of what is technical analysis? How do you trade? What is an option? How do you manage risk? How do you identify trade setups? Where to buy, where to sell? It's all laid out in, in over 20 hours of, of video recording. That is at uh, dowoftrading.com. So that's T-A-O-O-F-T-R-A-D-I-N-G.com. And, and what I like to do, Pamela, is, is for your listeners, offer a, a really special discount. So my, my entry-level program is called Options Academy On Demand, and, and it retails on my website for $797. Uh, but I'd like to give your listeners a $300 discount. So if they hit uh, dowoftrading.com forward slash Pamela, uh, they can pick it up for $497. Wonderful. Thank you so much for doing that. Because I know, I mean, there, there's a lot of people in my world who are interested in real estate, but then also they, I always preach, diversify your revenue streams. Don't just yeah. put your money in real estate, start to flip it around a little bit. So this is a perfect opportunity for them to do that. So thank you so much for that. My pleasure. Look, I, I love what you're doing. I, I love what you're doing with, you know, with the underdog. I, I think you're, you're doing great work. I'm, I'm a fan of your podcast. And uh, yeah, if I can help your community, I'm, I'm really happy to. That's amazing. I, I love what you're doing for the world and keep bringing that beautiful energy and this wonderful knowledge. I appreciate you, Simon, so, so much. And just want to thank you for being here today. The only dream that I've been chasing is my own. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private VIP day with Pamela herself in Boston, Massachusetts. Be sure to go to theunderdogshow.com and pick up a copy of Pamela's free gift and join us on the next episode. <laughs>